Well, let's turn this evening again to the prophecy of Amos in chapter 8. Find that on page 769 in the Church Bible. Going to look at the chapter as a whole. And my title of my message is Ignoring God Has Consequences. Ignoring God Has Consequences. Let's just pray as I begin. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We've sung that hymn. We pray that it may indeed be central in our lives. And Lord, now as I speak, I pray that you will speak through your word to our hearts, to our lives, that we might receive it as your truth. We might come to you acknowledging our need of that word and that we might not only be hearers, but doers also. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, people lose their way. Uh, what do I mean by that? I don't mean that uh, they've set their sat-nav wrongly and they go wrong because people rely on it nowadays and seem to go wrong just as much as they used to. But people lose their way, don't they? Uh, people who were once committed to perhaps a relationship, <clears throat> to work, to responsibilities to others, and then they drift. They perhaps go into self-interest and that envelops them, or short-term thinking. And some even will say, well, I've lost my way. And that is true, isn't it, for individuals? It can be true in groups. It can be true for nations, for society. Everything seems to be okay, seems to go on much as it always did. Perhaps outwardly there's some prosperity. But you know in the heart of it all, society or we've lost our way. There are problems. And that problem the Bible defines, doesn't it? Essentially it's it's sin. It's our sin. There's no room for God. We can see some of those problems. Perhaps we can see corruption and greed and dishonesty. We can see pride. We can see self-centeredness. We can see the poor put to one side. Does this seem familiar? We could look at any society, couldn't we? Well, if I'd spoken to Amos, it would seem familiar to him. Those are the issues that he is facing as he brings God's word into this situation. Israel was prosperous. They were doing well materially. But there was social injustice. Now that was true, but there's a deeper issue than that. And that deeper issue is that they ignored God. That's the heart of the issue. The people of Israel were ignoring God. They turned to idols and they turned away from the truth which God had given. Now that's fatal, isn't it? What does that mean for Israel? Well, one of the implications, one of the issues was... But whilst that was true, and God could see it was true, and Amos, God's prophet, was bringing that message, they didn't think they'd lost their way. They were okay. Their nominal religion was fine. And doesn't that have parallels for you and I today in society? There are problems. They're recognised, sometimes not fully. Our leaders tell us that they can deal with these problems and they seek to do that. 
And, uh, well, there's other people who are quite happy and some of them are getting on rather well. And so time moves on, society moves on, and those problems persist and nothing really is done. And what's the root of a problem? For individuals, the root of a problem is our own sin. We don't want God. That's the root of a problem. As we look out on our society, it was true then, people don't want God. They don't want God's solutions. And so they drift away from God and even the the moral constraints which we once had because the Bible was part of society's life has been cast aside. And whilst that's true for society, it can be true for Christians, can't it? Perhaps they get on rather well. Perhaps they do their own thing. Perhaps things have turned out okay and they only really wanted God when there was a problem. But now things are all right. They, They move on and they push him to one side. They neglect getting too close to God and the worship of God. But as we think about this, it's very easy, isn't it, to see the problem. But you and I need to look into our own hearts and see where we are. Uh, We need to seek God's help. You need to daily. We need to recognise that, yes, we, we go forward in faith, but we need God every day. We need to depend upon him. We don't need to be self-sufficient. And that means we need to pray. That, we need, that means we need God's words. And we're familiar with that, but perhaps we don't make the time we once did. Perhaps we don't draw near to God as we should. So you and I need to recognise how easy it is to lose our way. How easy it is to ignore God, even partially. And how serious that is that we can go further away from him. And here, as we read Amos, as he brings words of exhortation... He also brings words of warning. There are consequences for ignoring God. Well, I've got two main headings. Um, The first is there are consequences for ignoring sin. And there are, second is there are consequences for ignoring God's word. We'll see those in these verses. And under each, I'll ask three main questions as we just think about what Amos is telling us here. So first of all, There are consequences for ignoring sin, particularly verses 1 to 10. Now, this is a a general teaching, isn't it? It's a message of Amos, but the Bible tells us if you ignore God, if you're sowing sin in your life, if you're sowing that which is wrong and which is against God, then there are consequences. You will reap what you sow. Now, Amos is God's prophet, bringing God's word to Israel. He's calling them, and he's called them, chapter 5, To seek the Lord. The prophets did warn, but there was always that call to repent and return to the Lord. He calls them to acknowledge their many sins. And if they would, there would be God's just judgment. But if they didn't, there would be his anger poured out on their sin. And the judgment would come in the form of Assyria, the preeminent empire at that time and they would overrun the country and some would be taken into captivity so first question as we think of this heading consequences ignoring sin what is this vision in verse one we have a basket of summer fruit i wonder if you can imagine it if you like your fruits you can think of some plums some strawberries raspberries blueberries Mangoes, blackcurrants, all these nice things. A basket of summer fruit. Perhaps it makes you feel hungry. 
Uh, it's God's provision, isn't it? We thank God for that. But here, the word, uh, as we have it, there's a, a bit of a pun going on because the Hebrew words for summer fruit and the word end, as we have verse 2, sound similar. Verse 2 reads, And he said, Amos, what do you see? And I said, A basket of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, The end has come upon my people Israel. I will never again pass by them. Ripe fruit needs to be gathered at once. And Israel was like ripe fruit. What happens if you leave ripe fruit too long? It goes off and it begins to rot. What, this is what Israel was like. The end has come. They were ripe for judgment. They had beginning, if you like, they'd gone away from God. They were beginning to rot. And we read that phrase, I will never again pass by them. This has been mentioned in earlier visions, previous vision as well. So what is God saying here? This is judgment. God is withdrawing his presence. He's withdrawing his help. He's withdrawing his blessing. The people didn't really see the problem. But God could see it. And here is Amos bringing this warning. And God knows about you. He knows about me. The people should have been singing and rejoicing in God. But what would these become? Notice verse 3. These would become wailings in that day. So instead of rejoicing, they were going to wail. The gathering in of a harvest fruit was a time of rejoicing, but it would not be. So that's the vision. Just think a bit more. What are, what are the problems here? The root of the problem is their sin. And here we see that judgment is coming. And the Bible tells us very clearly there is a consequence to sin. God in his holiness, see sin, and in his justice, he will punish sin. And that's what is taking place here. They'd left out God, they'd ignore God. One sin leads to another, and God will bring judgment. And we know so often that sin takes a root, doesn't it? If it's not confessed and dealt with. And so for society, this spells trouble. Why is that? Well, it's because... They may not realise, but God is going to bring judgment. They were, in a way, not accepting the issue, but God was going to bring judgment. Let's just think, what are these sins that are mentioned here? Well, in verse 4, we have ill treatment of the poor. The poor are in need, but they are made to fail. One of the themes is in Amos is that the rich get richer at the expense of the poor. Look at verses 5 and 6. These people resented the inconvenience that the holy days and the Sabbath imposed on their trading. They wanted to make money. They were restless. They wanted to continue their dishonest business. They gave short weights. You may remember those weights in market stalls in days gone by. You had the balance. You put the weight on one side and perhaps measured the amount of fruit on the other side. Well, there were often false balances. Uh, the weight wasn't really what it said it was. You were being shortchanged. Well, these people 
wanted, they didn't want the inconvenience of the Sabbaths or holy days. They wanted to continue in their practice. And uh, people were getting less than they should have been. There were false balances, as we have at the end of verse 5. Such was the abuse of the poor, we read in verse 6, that they even wanted to sell the chaff, which was bad wheat, for money. Should have been thrown away. But they wanted to abuse the poor. So these were the sorts of sins which Amos was seeing. And how could we describe these? Well, dishonesty, corruption, greed, selfishness, and more. Then in verse 7, Amos uses the word pride. You can almost imagine the response to Amos being, these sins aren't too bad. They're just the way of life. This is the way it's lived. It's what happens in our world. If you want to be successful in business, this is the sort of things you have to do. Surely religion shouldn't be getting in the way of our everyday trading and making some money. And so you can imagine the excuses being made. Well, yes, Amos, you've said that, but these aren't too bad. People say that, don't they? Well, does this have parallels today? I'm drawing them there. Pretty obvious, aren't we, as we live in our world? Sin hasn't changed, has it? The human heart hasn't changed. Uh, We can see some get rich at the expense of the poor. We can see people fraudulently claiming things which they shouldn't and big business having influence where it shouldn't. And so we see this has parallels in our world. It seems when there's a crisis that the rich take advantage of it and the poor get poorer. We could look at that around the world today, couldn't we? Well, for you and I, if you're a Christian, you're called to be honest. You're called not to take advantage of others. Indeed, you're called to show mercy to those who are in need. And that doesn't mean we give with one hand and take with another. It means, Lord, we, we, we love our neighbours. We show that compassion to those in need. So we see here all sorts of sins are there, but they're ignored, they're justified, and they're not even called sin. But what does God say? Notice verse 7. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their deeds. So there are consequences for sin, but let's thirdly ask this, what are the judgments? Now, the Bible is clear. Amos has stated it earlier in the prophecy. We see it. But as long as sin exists, there will be judgment. There is no sin which God tolerates. Otherwise, he wouldn't be holy. And because God hates sin, there must be consequences. We know that there will be a final judgment when each one of us will have to give account to God. But there are also other consequences. Noticed in that reading, Galatians, I've referred to it already, there will be a reaping of that sin which is sowed. So what will God do? Well, we've noticed verse 7, God will not forget. And ultimately for Israel, that means he will bring an end to Israel. Israel, Judah later, will cease to exist. And as we look at these verses 
we know what God will do. There will be these wailings. I mentioned in verse 3, why is that? Well, we see that there's going to be wailings because there's going to be dead bodies everywhere. Israel has turned away from God. They've rejected Amos' warnings. It was as if they were on probation and the word of God was brought to them by Amos, but they took no notice. And as we think about society, what are the marks of that in society? Notice particularly verses 8 to 10 here. You will see in these verses a society where there is insecurity, sorrow, death and eternal bitterness. Notice verse 9. And on that day, declares the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. Darkness perhaps is a reference back to Egypt when there was that plague. Here are the pictures of God's judgment on Israel, which is now imminent. Israel was a society which had lost its way. It had turned away from God and so there is instability. There was no longer any absolutes, no truth. And people were more stressed and untruthful. And into this situation, God is saying, you are ripe for judgment. Think back to the basket of fruit. You are ripe for judgment. Well, we can see what Amos says. We can think, well, that's historic. But what about you and me? We all need to remember that each one of us personally is responsible to God for our sin. You can't just ignore it because God knows it and sees it. We will face judgment. And so the call of Amos, the call of God's word, is we must repent to God. We must seek Christ because of ourselves. We deserve that judgment and only if we know Christ can our sins be forgiven as he stands in our place. There is a call here in this prophecy, as there is in all the prophets, to seek the Lord. Well, secondly, what about there are consequences for ignoring sin? There are also consequences for ignoring God's word, looking particularly at the verses 11 through to 14. It's true for society, generally, and it's true for each individual. There are consequences for ignoring God's word. Verse 11. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. The Old Testament sometimes tells of the future, so the future can be prepared for. If you have a big event, some Perhaps a big family event coming up, you prepare, you get ready, you do those things which are necessary. How much more? Israel was warned, judgment is coming. You need to be ready. Well, again, I'll ask three questions. First of all, what is this famine? We read of famines in the Bible, we have famines today. You would think that it's often God's judgment well, yes, that's true, but it's not a famine of food or of water, but something else we read in that verse. It's a famine of, a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Now, if I was to 
announced that generally today many people would say, well, that doesn't matter. I don't want the words of the Lord anyway. They say they don't need God. They don't need God's word. They don't need his teaching. We're fine. We can manage. We don't need God. But there will be consequences that that attitude, even if people are very convinced in themselves that they can manage without God and his word. But we see that, don't we? That's true in our society. There are churches today where there's little preaching, little exposition of the word. And where there is, it's very selective. It very much fits in with the culture. They ignore what they would say, all the difficult parts. Ignore sin. Sin is just a general idea and not personal, which needs to be confessed. And so, as we think about what Amos is telling the people of Israel, can you see parallels in our society today? Generally, today and then, God's word has been left out. And there are those which are nominally religious, but in effect, God's word has been left out. The Bible is not regarded by some as inspired. It's just a sort of one of the things that may be useful sometimes in our lives. Is that right? No, it's God's word. It's useful. Not just useful, it is vital for salvation. It points us to Christ. It's vital for your Christian walk with God. There are consequences of a famine, aren't there? There are natural consequences. People starve. And so there are consequences when there's a famine of God's word. People starve spiritually. There is a spiritual famine. So then, let me ask the next question. What are the consequences? There's a famine of hearing God's word. What are the consequences? Well, a consequence of a normal famine is poverty and death. What about the consequences of a famine? Not hearing the word of God. People will search. They realise that Something is missing. Verse 12 says, They shall wander from sea to sea, from the north and from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. When God withdraws the influence of his word, this is judgment. Because God's word is a restraining influence even on the unbeliever. It's a restraining influence where God's word has been central in nations. That has been an influence for good. And where it's removed, as we see in our society today, there's no boundaries, is there? There's no morals. People do what they like. Everyone, as we read in Judges, does what is right in their own eyes. We have the word wander. It can be used to illustrate someone who's drunk, someone who is staggering. There's a vacuum. Something is missing. But the day is too far gone. God has taken away his word. And that's the solemn situation Israel was in. There was a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. They would seek something, but they wouldn't find it. God had withdrawn. How solemn that is. And who does this famine affect most of all? It affects the young. Verse 13, in that day, the lovely virgins of the young men shall faint for thirst. Now, if I was to speak the gospel to a group of young people who weren't used to hearing it, I don't think I'd get much of a hearing, would I? 
in a general setting. They wouldn't want God's word. What's relevance is that today we can work things out for ourselves and all sorts of things. Many think, well, I might need money. I might need a smartphone. I might need a job. I need friends. I need acceptance. But I don't want any of that. God's stuff, they would tell me, and all sorts of things. But actually, Amos is telling, and it's a principle, that it's the young that are affected most. When society, when Christians leave out God's word, when they go their own way, then it is the young that suffer. Today, the old bonds are weakening. Absolutes are rejected. People We're told and we observe are less happy. People can't cope with the strains of life. Mental health problems are greater. There are more breakdowns, more breakdown in relationships, more suicides, all these things. Because there's been a departing from God. And this affects the young. And sadly, uh, they don't realise it. And so what most people do not realise is that the foundations of solid society have often been grounded on the Bible. Law and order, truth and honesty. And in whatever area of life we could go back, couldn't we, uh, years when it was Christians who started education, who founded hospitals, who in business were an influence for good and, and so many ways. And we know When the foundations are removed, the righteous, what can they do? And when they are removed, it is the young who suffer. One of the things that has been removed in society generally, there's there's massive debt in, in nations around our world. Who should worry about that? Well, isn't it our children? And because there's been a lack of restraint, because people haven't lived and governments haven't lived within their means. It's a worry, isn't it? But much more than that is the abandonment of the moral foundation of society, fueled perhaps partly by this sexual immorality. Anything goes. And when that goes for society, often societies start to break down when there are no sexual morals. More and more biblical roots of laws and of way of life have been destroyed. And some would say and argue with me, well, society's better, we have Technology, we have all these things, all these ideas and things like that. And they'd look to solutions in technology, in healthcare advancement, in environmentalism or whatever. Well, we can be thankful for some of these advances. But as we look at Amos, what are these advances connected to? What do we see? What has Amos spoken about? A famine of hearing the word, a famine of sin. All these so-called advances are also accompanied by those same sins of greed, of self-interest, of corruption, etc. The Bible calls it the love of money. And so these are sins against God and there are consequences. And while these do affect society in a general way, they particularly affect the young They don't realise it, but it causes instability. So what do you and I need to do? Well, we need to pray, don't we? We need to pray for revival. We pray to pray that God's word becomes central again. God's word becomes what is important. We need to be salt and light. We read in verse 14, those who swear by the guilds of Samaria and say, as your God lives, O Dan, 
And as the way of Beersheba lives, they shall fall and never rise again. What is this telling us? There is an upsurge in false religion. The guilt of Samaria refers to idol worship. What is the problem? God's word was neglected. There's been a famine in hearing God's word. That is a problem so often today, isn't it? Even in churches, there's a famine in hearing God's word. Entertainment is what is demanded and not the word of God. Well, we need that. We need to learn that personally. You need to learn that. We need God's word to be central. You need to live it out. It shouldn't be something which you just hear, but something you live out daily. But I want to move on thirdly uh, and think about what are the blessings. Let me turn this around as we think in a general sense, because yes, there are warnings here, consequences to sin, consequences for not hearing God's word, but what are the blessings? Hearing the word of the Lord is a wonderful privilege and it's a wonderful blessing. And why is that? Well, the Bible says it brings faith. Faith comes by hearing. And the word of God points us to Jesus Christ. We were thinking of Christ's agony in Gethsemane this morning. The gospel is good news to sinners. We think of what Christ did. We think of how, why he came. And so there is good news. If we can hear the word of God, if we can receive the word, there is good news. Yes, we are sinners, but there is salvation to all who repent and trust in Jesus Christ. There is this way of salvation where there is no word preached, no souls will be saved. But where the word is preached, where there is witness to truth, where there is the light of the gospel, God works by his spirit. Faith comes by hearing. What a wonderful blessing. Let us remember that. And the Bible says a lot about the blessings that God's word brings Uh, If you read Psalm 119, many, many words, some more familiar than others. But what a blessing God's word is. It brings order. It sets boundaries. It gives instructions. It gives guidance. It gives commands. And God's commands are for your good. Christianity is painted by the non-Christian as if it's restrictive, as if it's terrible, limiting freedom. But actually, within the boundaries of God's word, it's for your good. God is good in all that he gives and all his instructions, all his commands. In his grace, he is good. He sent Jesus Christ. And if you're a believer, do you not delight in obedience to God's word? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's a response of faith. It's a response also of obedience. And the blessing is direct and it's also indirect. When we follow God's word. So there was a famine of God's word, but we need God's word. Do people realise this? Did Israel realise this? No, they didn't. Just as Israel didn't get it, so they don't today. And where the foundations, that is the truth of God, where that's taken away, where they're amended, where they're diluted, you not only lose that fellowship with God, you lose so much more generally in society. And so why do people struggle? They struggle because God has been left out. They struggle because his truth has been ignored and even despised. 
We live in a world where meanings of words are changed, aren't we? Wicked can mean good, can't it? Not just sinful and evil. The word grace, not often used, but when it is, it's tolerating sin and not passing judgment on others. Is that what grace truly means? Well, it isn't, is it? It doesn't help. The message of God's word is that you are a sinner and you need to repent, but there is grace. God is gracious. It means that he's willing to forgive even though you do not deserve it. And so we see that is our world, but there is a blessing in having God's word, in reading God's word, in responding to God's word. And the message of God's word is there is forgiveness for all who truly come to him. Perhaps you are a Christian. I wonder how often you read the Bible. As you read it, pray over it. Pray that God will speak to you. You need God's word. You need it to hear it regularly, speaking in a sense to the wrong people. But we need to hear it regularly, don't you? Because it's like food. If you don't have it regularly, you don't have the energy. You need it each day. You need meals. And so we need God's word. And I'm sure we've met people. I meet people who say, well, I don't need to go to church. I'm a Christian. I don't need to go to church. Well, they're wrong. They do need to hear God's word. They do need to worship God and put him in the rightful place. They do need the fellowship of other Christians. And you find that the people who say that often drift away. They're in that first category. They're ignoring their sin. There are consequences for that sin. And they so often drift away. Some people say, well, I can get messages on the internet. Is that what God designed? No, we are to come together as God's people. We are to encourage one another. Uh, one person did a check during the pandemic on the internet how long people were tuned to a particular message. I think it was about eight minutes on average. Perhaps they swapped. Perhaps the preacher started preaching on something they didn't quite like, so they flipped to another. Well, that's not right, is it? We come to hear God's word and we come prayerfully wanting to hear what God wants us to hear. So pray for spiritual hunger. Do not neglect meeting together. Encourage others and prayerfully come around God's word because you need it, your church needs it, and society needs to hear the word of God. There are consequences for ignoring God's word. So as I've just briefly thought on this chapter, the message is essentially don't ignore your sin. God knows you. God knows your heart. Don't ignore it. You are to repent of it. You are to turn to God. You need him. And don't ignore his word. As we read in, in Galatians, God is not mocked, is he? Let me just read that verse in Galatians 6 and verse 7. <coughs> Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also Reap, And remember this, as we realise what was needed, there was a famine of God's word, but God's word was needed. God's word lasts forever. That's the wonderful blessing. If you are trusting in God's word, in his promises, in his truth, if you're looking to Jesus Christ, then there is that promise of eternal life in heaven. God's word endures forever. And for the individual Christian, let us keep our eyes on his word. Let us keep pleading those promises 
and praying those promises. We read in Proverbs, I've alluded to some, but let me just read in Proverbs 14 and verse 34, where we read this. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Let us pray for revival, pray for repentance, and pray that in this day, despite all those things which God sees, God's word tells us are sinful, pray that God will be at work building his church. Or may God help us to respond in faith and obedience. Amen.